Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today is a special episode. Today is episode 40, a milestone for me in this path I'm walking in the podcasting world of Misfits and Rejects, trying to inspire people to take a look at their lives and make a change if they feel like they're not really achieving the type of life they want. You know, they're stuck in a nine to five that they hate. They're stuck in whatever situation it may be. I'm here to try to say that there are ways out through these stories that I bring to you on a weekly basis, hoping that, you know, you connect with something and someone and you can relate and say like, well, if they did it, maybe I can do it. And today's special because I'm actually going to get interviewed by Captain John Robert here at Gigante Bay, who is going to be a frequent on the podcast. He was episode 27. If you haven't heard his episode yet, I highly recommend you go back and check it out because he's uh, my oldest friend, my best friend, somebody who knows me better than anybody. So I felt like it would be great to have him come on and just shoot the shit with me and, and we get to hear and learn more about me. Right so on. John, welcome to the show. Thanks, Chapin. <laughs> Thanks, brother. So I'm just going to let you take over. We don't have a script, folks. This is going to just be casual, old friends, and we'll see where it goes. Okay. Um, thanks for the introduction. And... <laughs> I kind of feel like it's a default situation that Chapin lives with me. <laughs> so I walk by him every day. And so we have a chance to throw ideas back and forth. And that way I get to be on here. And it was really only a few minutes ago um, that Chape came in and asked me to talk to him, maybe about where he is. So we can come at this a little bit differently and get some maybe different insight, just having roles reversed. So that's kind of what I'm doing here in the few minutes that I've had to kind of think about what we could talk about that could be interesting. Um, I went uh, a few different places, but I think where it kind of settled best was um, in imagining like in, I haven't listened to all the podcasts, but I've listened to a lot of them and it, they have common threads and people talk about state of mind. And um, I think everyone touches upon it. I don't think, uh, Really, a whole lot of us are qualified to, to really, you know, dive into the, the subject of, to have a great explanation of the, the state of mind in which the people that you're interviewing and yourself included are in. And, um, I, I kind of think that's a good one because Chapin is somebody who's like embraced like his outlook and, and his desires and he takes time. You take time to, to approach these things and, and do self-reflection. And one of the things that, uh, you, you have to do that to want to leave the United, United States or wherever you're from, uh, to try a new life. You have to do that. And then also you have to carry it along through the transitional part. It ba it's basically, it's who you are, but in defining ways, like defining words of like, like what kind of mind does, does Chapin have and the people he's interviewing have? And I don't think anybody better than to maybe explain where they're, where they're at. In, uh, in how they think about relationships, how they think about, you know, themselves, their, their health, their look, um, their amenities, um, 
those sorts of things uh, better than Chapin because A, I mean, you set this whole thing up. Misfits and Rejects are, are rad for all of us learning each other better and understanding ourselves and, and inspiring. Um, and then, um, and then you're, you're just, you're that person. So I'm, I, in coming back to, to where is Chapin because you look at life very uniquely. You have a different arrangement than anyone else I know in the way how light you are, you know, but how, uh, intense you are too in, in intensity with levity. And I want to, I want to, I don't know if it's going to be a few words or if it's going to be a longer story, but why is, um, you know, why is Chapin okay with his relationships? Um, why is Chapin okay with his, his future and where he's going? Why is Chapin okay from where you've come from and why you've made all those decisions? Right. It's a great question. (laughs) Thank you. Um, I think, you know, the state of mind topic, which, you touched upon that we all sort of have in common, I guess, is a state of mind in which we, we believe that we can go out in this world and strive for something different. You know, we've chosen to strive for something outside of our own country. And I think that, you know, that common thread that we all have, which is that we all believe that we can go out and achieve something better for ourselves in our, in our own way. In our, and create our own path, lifestyle design, you know, the premise of this whole thing. So my state of mind has always been that, like, I always wanted to be authentic and true to myself, always, 100%. I always felt that if I was going to maintain happiness in my own life and fulfillment, I couldn't compromise in any way, shape, or form. And I think that as you see and, and you touched upon my my lightness, yet my rigidity and my my, um, what was the word you used? Intensity. Intensity comes from that. Like, it's just, there is no way I can deviate from this path that I've chosen for reasons that I've set up in that I will feel on my deathbed when I look back at my life. And if I ever can say these few words, I wish I would have, I wish I would have tried. If I'm ever on my deathbed and those words come to mind, I've completely failed in what I've like what I've been striving to accomplish my whole life, which is set a goal and do whatever it takes to go and achieve that goal. Now, I may not always be successful, but I feel like the the simple act of not trying is failure. And you know, I didn't really find fulfillment and happiness within myself until I was like 17 years old, you know, episode 10, you can go back and listen to, and everyone can go back and listen to. And like, that was a very pivotal moment for me. And to feel that and know that I could be fulfilled and happy. But the realization came when I started taking responsibility for myself and my actions. And, you know, I didn't always have the goal of trying to be a professional soccer player. I didn't always have the goal of trying to live out of the United States and never intended to go to university. But that combination of seeing that when I took responsibility for myself and life then started like providing me with fulfillment, happiness, and things started working, I kind of realized like that combination paired with like intense focus and patience could probably help me achieve anything I was ever striving for. And so that's, I think, where I find myself now in this present situation, which is like, I mean, you see me like 
I'm struggling in a lot of ways, you know, in the sense that like I'm having to go back to the States, I guess financial struggles, you know, is where I'm referring to more. Cause yeah, I think me personally, I'm very fulfilled. I'm my baseline of happiness is still very high, but my mindset is such that like I have set this goal and I cannot deviate from this path until I, I achieve my goal, which is to become location independent from work, generating cash flow online, passive income, ideally in order to continue to live this life outside of the U.S. that I've always dreamed of, or not always dreamed of. I mean, I'm touch upon that with you in our conversation in the past. You know, like you deciding to leave and go to Costa Rica on that first trip, and then me getting to come down and see that life that you were living was by far one of the most profound things ever. You know, I knew I wasn't going to do it right then and there, but I knew that was the ultimate game end game for me. It was like doing that, living abroad in a different culture, learning languages, meeting people. And just that mindset, as you spoke about, it's just me being unable to deviate from that goal that I've set for myself. And I am willing to sacrifice relationships, um, you know, personal relationships with females, males, whatever, in order to achieve those goals. And I don't ever mean to do it in a way that is hurtful. But if somebody is not in my life that I feel is a positive, then it's time to move on, you know? Yeah. I'm making a face right now for everybody. Yeah. I think that's the rigidity. You can't, like people see them and they don't understand is that I can be, I think, I don't want to say emotionless, but I can be, um, cold. I think in, in people's perceptions at times when they don't get from me what I think they might've expected, you know? Of course, man, you're honest. You're true. People do not like, <laughs> People do not like truth. People do not like to take responsibility. And that's like, and the way you said it is right. Like, if you don't try, that's the failure. And then if, if you are the person who needs to try for it not to fail, just to try, if that's the only way in which you don't fail is to try, then now you are, you've taken that responsibility. So I think that's, I think that's key. And in that meaning more, um, yeah, the real, the real damage is, is people not, not believing that they at least can try. Uh, failure is something you and I experience plenty <laughs> of. <laughs> I feel like I'm failing often, more often than not. I think it's just a way in which you feel. Um, I think, uh, I had said in a, in, we do this yoga thing in the morning, which is just routine stretching. Yoga is trendy, so we call it yoga, but, it does have all a bunch of postures, but we have a chance to talk to each other with the attention kind of being a little bit on, on meaning a lot of Buddha philosophy and stuff. And one thing we had, we had mentioned was, uh, that of, of when life feels like it's a challenge and it's a struggle, it's real life. And be thankful for that because it exists as a result. Like, like comfortable times are far and few between and they're a result of struggling and challenges. You couldn't have such you know, real genuine comforts if you didn't have some strife. So, mm. and I think all of us who know who've reached and, and, and got cut because of it or whatever, when it comes time to, you know, drink that beer on the couch after a hard one, it's like that beer tastes extra special. Mm -hmm. And then this older man said to me, because we use sailing analogies and that was that one of like, I felt like every day I set sails in, in, uh, in storms and I was sailing through storms and this older guy was like, um, he got it. Uh, and then I asked for safe Harbor. Basically I go, I want to just pull like, 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 I, like metaphorically my boat, my life into this safe Harbor, this place of comfortableness. 
And he said, he said, John, safe harbors for when you die mm -hmm. and put your boat to sleep. You're dead. <laughs> when you are, when you sure you get a couple nights off a little less, you know, a little net, less rain. But in reality, it's like, be prepared for the, for the hardest. And it's always going to be a little uncomfortable and be thankful for that. The more you can embrace it. And Chapin is <clears throat> in giving you guys some insight into like how I see Chapin, which is every day. He's a simple guy and, um, you know, on, on a, on a level, but in result, like he, he gets to surf most days and simply, you know, and that like, he just goes and surfs. Your diet is super simple. You look like, I mean, I know you're in your late thirties, you're 37, 38, 39. We all look like we play water polo in high school, <laughs> you know, which just means like we're all tan and we all have like, you know, more or less five and a half packs than that we're creeping on 40, but still like, we all can run and out and, you know, wrestle and surf and do whatever we had to. We're, we're, you know, as fit as we've almost ever been. Um, that's good. And when you, when you had mentioned, told the story about going down to Nicaragua or Costa Rica back in 98 and you, uh, you knowing maybe that wasn't your time. I remember you kind of dropping the soccer thing, which was a new thing for me that you were willing to, that you were interested in taking as high as you were. And I was trying to convince Chapin to stay. Mm. I was like, Chapin, just stay. <laughs> like, I didn't understand why he couldn't. He's more ambitious than me always. <laughs> I think it's just that, that mindset we touched upon. Like, I just can't let it go until I, 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 I take it to the end, you know? And for me, that, that feeling of always questioning and wondering, could I have, will, will be the death of me. Gotcha. You know, and one thing that you touched upon just now when you were saying that and something you said super profound and I don't, I won't capture it, I don't think, in the few words I'm going to give right now, but you once said to me that, you know, I live my life daily in a way that is super difficult. You know, I push myself physically, mentally, on a daily to the point that when people look in sometimes, they're asking, like, why do I do this to myself? And you, res and you, resp you answered your own question by saying, well, average life becomes so simple when it, when you go into those moments of just simple average life after you've constantly every day pushed yourself. I mean, and I think you can find so much peace and happiness in that way of living where it's like, if you're constantly challenging yourself in ways that are above your pay grade, above your capability, but you're striving for it. Then when you have those days where things are kind of just flowing for whatever reason, it's an average day. I mean, it's just easy. Life becomes super simple. Yeah. You know, I mean, and for me with being on this computer every day, like this was never a goal of mine to be on the computer every day, but the idea of what could come of this, I have no skill set for this whatsoever. Like I literally have none. <laughs> yeah. It is the hardest thing I've ever done in my whole life. And the challenge is kind of what I just spoke about. Those average days now are so simple and bring me so much joy and bliss because every day for me is a mind fuck. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. Um, the part that I wanted to hit before we left too also was something I thought about yesterday when thinking about Chapin and thinking about, um, where I am now and where we could all end up. And Chapin mentioned on, you know, the deathbed and looking back and, um, I feel like I agree. Like what we have are these stories. We have these kids that are around us and they love our stories and that has a huge importance. And it's our, it's our way of, of immortality, right? Is through these kids and anything that can remember of us is like how we've heard stories of our great grandparents and so forth. It's, it's our, it's our small immort immortality. But, um, 
in a more micro dynamic of it being like, what do we end up with? Because like I've put myself out, um, financially on a, on a limb with, uh, borrowing and building and developing and, and I'm at, I'm coming to a financial loss right now just, just because of my, my personal life and my life. And, um, Chapin doesn't have a whole lot of like financial assets right now. Um, but for some way I saw us not being far from each other later, like in knowing like, like I've grown big early maybe. And I think I'm going to start downsizing soon and, and getting back to a simpler life with a more manageable, um, the more manageable amount of assets. And I think, uh, Chapin's building now. And, and by the time it takes for us to do these sorts of things, I can imagine like, you know, when we both start talking about retirement in our fifties and stuff, like we're going to have enough to do our, you know, four or five trips a year, a few places and the way he and I live, like we just hung out. If no one knows, like I just had my birthday on Monday and I, it was the best birthday ever. Cause I went to Managua to visit my four and two year old and Chapin came with me, which was a great offer just the day before. And the way that I spent my birthday, which was the best day, um, was doing what Chapin and I used to do, but we got two new little buddies and Chapin and I hang out with drunk people sometimes. So it's like drunk people, but they're really small. So you can like control them easier. <laughs> right. And so for my birthday, we went to, we went to uh, Wembley's market, authentic, no tourists, ate in the market, took buses, took rickshaws, you know, got knock tamales in the, in the pueblos, like drank a box of wine on the street with the kids, like being dirty as hell. Um, every, Nick, Nicaraguans are looking at us like we're pathetic and we're poor and we're that Nicaragua's poor. <laughs> so we're just setting the standard, but it touches upon what we, what we started on. And that's like Chapin is satisfied with, with what, where he's at and what he's in this process because he's satisfied. You can put Chapin on the street with a box of wine by himself even, and it starts there. And then when you start adding your friends or, um, you know, some good jokes or some little kids to keep it interesting. Like it just gets better. And, and when you start it from there, uh, it's just, it only gets better basically. So right. scratch the bottom. And that was something my dad always told me that you learn how to live with no money and that he's referring to way Chapin and I went over to Eurasia and all of Asia and had always like gripping around tops, 400 bucks, sometimes as low as 80 bucks. But like, you know, we're, we're from affluent white families that can, you know, buy us a plane to get home or pay for a hospital bill. So I don't say it's, you know, it's not as fair, sure, but we did the best we could with, with what we had. But, um, uh, maybe uh, this isn't something you've thought about, Chapin, and it's just something that I just thought about yesterday. And it was that of like, like, uh, like no matter w- w- what we're doing now, I see, and maybe it's because we're past our primes. We aren't going to pull a, you know, so like, like people we know who like are going to grab 17 mil. <laughs> like that. That's not going to be me probably. Yeah. Maybe it could have been if things had changed like four years ago, but mm-hmm. it's not. And, uh, and I'm going to work it down to like having like a modest maybe income and, and be able to, like we said, take trips in the way that we travel. We could probably travel mm-hmm. really as much as we wanted, but also domesticated nice life. But our nice lives are like, you know, Chip and I live in the same house. We don't have walls in the house. We have power out sometimes. Sometimes, you know, it's just, it's very rudimentary. Um, where do you see yourself like in 10 years? It's a good question because I, I actually, uh, prior to having the idea to come on with John and have him interview me, I kind of did my own little episode 40 of me just rambling on like I've done a few other times prior to this. And I touched upon this hope. 
this false hope I think I've held on to subconsciously for a lot of years. You know, I think as you grow up, especially where we did in the pro, I grew up primarily in a white, you know, area that was very affluent and you just see that around you as it's nor as normal. And although I think we we're upper middle class at one point, middle class, I think later on in life, like I always saw myself as being somebody who was going to have the kind of money that a lot of my friends, families did growing up. It was just something I saw in the future for myself. And I did take responsibility at a point, you know, where I started really trying to learn how to invest and make my money work for me. But what I realized recently was there was always the secret hope, the subconscious hope that was just kind of always floating in the back of my mind that, you know, maybe just one of my investments would just blow up and I didn't have to work anymore. <laughs> you know, one of my things that I thought I was doing right would just work out and I just get this influx of cash and I would never have to like build every fucking brick of this like <laughs> empire, you know? And the reality is, yeah, like you said, I'm 37 and I still have that like that image of myself in the future of having that sort of comfort and wealth that I was surrounded by growing up to where, yeah, we can take trips and we can do what we do simply, but if we wanted to, you know, I could pay for all of us, me, you, and a few other buddies to go on a boat in Indonesia for 10 days and surf. Cause I had that kind of cash flow, Like, you know, that's my dream and fantasy for sure. Um, but as I'm finding out now, like those steps that affluent people have taken to get to where they're at are a lot different from me. <laughs> you know, like we live so simply and I'm so comfortable within this lifestyle that I don't take steps necessary to be building giant businesses that tr generate tremendous amounts of wealth. You know, and I realize like I still secretly had that hope and it's coming to grips with like, unless I choose to drive my energy into a, a niche that might be more uh, profitable and prosperous, there's really no way that that's ever going to happen. You know, I guess I could get lucky, but that still goes back to that hope where it's like, it's just that subconscious hope that something's going to work out where I didn't quite have to put in all the effort necessary, you know, where, you know, I, you see me, I do, I put a lot of effort into this, but like, is this realistically ever going to grow into something that is going to generate that kind of money? I don't know. You know, I can't answer that really, but like, Fuck, man. Realistically, probably not. <laughs> so um, in 10 years from now, I would like to be able to take you and a few other people on a boat, pay for everybody and and just have a great 10 days. Have my family very comfortable at home, knowing that they're taken care of. That's my ultimate goal and dream is to have my family first taken care of aunts, uncles, whatever, and then have whatever left over to then enjoy with my friends and maintain that simple life that you touched upon. Like if I ever made it big, I would be asking you if I could pay you rent to stay <laughs> in that room. You know, John doesn't charge me rent right now. <laughs> yeah, I really I've never couldn't. charged Jay rent. <laughs> yeah. But like once I, when I could afford it, like that would be the dream for me. It's just to live in your house, pay you rent and get to do what we do. You know, like I don't need to do anything more than that. But you know, in episode 10, I touched upon that. Like I would like to be able to take care of my family. That is like, my ultimate goal is to have the financial means to like take care of them and make sure they're comfortable in the later years of their life. But your family's good. Yeah, more or less. I just, with my mom getting sick and the wake up call, the financial um, wake up call that happened with my mom, it rattled me a little bit. It made me uncomfortable in that, you know, I don't know, depending on how long everybody lives, like if that's really, if they are going to be good, 
and I'd like to have that own piece of mind. It's my own, it's my own thing. Yeah. I know that I could make it okay for them and comfortable. You know, my mom is sitting there begging me to take her home. I couldn't financially do that. Like I couldn't afford to pay for the type of care she needed, you know? So I had to put her into a a home that she didn't want to go. And, and it's because the insurance was the only one that would pay for that home. You know, it was miserable. It sucked. It yeah. felt terrible. I felt helpless. I don't want that to happen again. Gotcha. Gotcha. So yeah, in 10 years, I really don't know. I'd like it. I'd like it to become what I just described. I'm going to work hard in the way I'm working hard right now. The ventures that I've investing my time in, God knows if they'll ever turn any profit. But you know, like, like I said earlier, like I can't compromise though. Like I can't be that entrepreneur that sees a niche in a market and then goes to fill that niche, even though I hate that type of service or product that I'm fulfilling the market's needs with. Uh Like I'm the type of, I don't even know if I consider myself an entrepreneur. I'm more of like a hobbyist, you know, who's trying to make his hobbies profitable and, and, and something that works. Yeah. You know, I don't have, I can't compromise that. I can't go to a job I hate every day, even though I know I'm making a million dollars a year. I just can't do it. Yeah. So. Gotcha. And I, I kind of wanted just to, in listening to you, I thought a little bit about myself and, um, I've had more resources and, and money than I've ever had in my life before. It's not like, it's not money I can do whatever I want with. It's, it's investing money and that's what I've been doing with it. But, um, I definitely have a nicer car and stuff like that now. Um, where I've been and, and kind of, uh, feeling betrayed and stuff, you know, with, uh, like how money gets divided and, and, um, the way in which, like, I don't know, people become, you know, so interested in money and other people's money to any chance we can get, I get it. Um, but it makes me want to kind of peel off the responsibility part. I remember hearing in Asia that, um, the, the Taoists, they live without being needed, right? And the Buddhists live without needing. And I liked both of them. And, you know, we got to be in China. I went back up into, into Dali and stuff and hung out with a Taoist monk and stuff in the mountains for a while. And I really, I really felt good around him. I felt good around monks too, but I like that, you know, and not to be needed. So I have the kid thing and I imagine that I would always want to be there for my kids and no matter what. But I also, you and I are around so many poor people and they're growing, you know, Growing what? They're like growing up and they're having all the same life issues that we do. And, and granted, like, you know, someone needs a heart transplant or someone needs a kidney transplant and we were too cheap to buy, you know, catastrophic insurance. So therefore like our kid dies because they don't get a kidney, you know, Mm -hmm. like, but then also the way in which like people can get money online and all the friends that we have and all the support blankets that, you know, are set up for us, like we could get a kidney, you know? So I guess that's a, that's, there's still that safe net, but I'm interested almost more and more into like, like not raising my kids with money. Like just the fact that I had them with women who, who like fancy things. My kids are exposed to such fancy things. And I think it's going to be the, it's going to be the, the part that they're going to have to like repair the most of, like when they get older and learn how like good character comes from actually having more struggle and, and, uh, you know, having more appreciation and gratitude more humility. And, and, uh, so having less, I think would be more and, uh, in combining with, you know, fought with my fathering and, um, and that's where I kind of want to go. So in 10 years, I'm looking to 
to have, uh, you know, myself be less responsible, always for my kids, sure, but, um, less of, a less of, so, less of somebody who is depended upon. I mean, you know, all the employees and the volunteers and people that lean my way. And I see a regression mm-hmm. in my growth. Mm-hmm. I've like, I've grown to where I kind of want to be and okay, maybe I can do it and just barely because I'm very informal. And I think amount of formality needs to step in to make my stuff go to another level. Um, and, and appreciating that, like with, without having like a real obvious formality to accommodate to, or to complement my informality, um, it'll, it's just like, I don't, shouldn't go any bigger. Yeah. I should start like, and every time I take off my shoes and walk through that jungle feels real good. Yeah. So maybe it ends up there. Yeah. That's interesting. I see that with the way you're raising your kids too, you know, where, you know, like as you described earlier, we, we take them to the market, you know, that, um, not any Westerners go to, um, we sit there and we eat the locals and and we sit on the street next to the locals and you buy blood sausage giblets (laughs) out of the, just buy the street foods and little kids are crawling around with the other little urchins in the market, like playing in the cardboard boxes you know, there's like pig blood on the ground, like from the butchery there's, and it's, it's a perspective. And I think that when you are, when you grow up with the type of affluence that I saw around me and you don't necessarily have to do a job that you, you hate every day in order to figure out what you really love in life, it's kind of a disservice to yourself. You don't get that contrast that then you can start to really develop that sense of self and like, Oh, what I like as Chapin is the, is this because I know I hated going to my coffee job and I worked at a coffee shop every day. And I was trying to think of something else that I could do that I would like more. And when you don't have to do really anything, you're just constantly, you know, touching upon a hobby that you like. And you're like, Oh, this could become a business because I like baking bread, which is something I also did. Um, it just, you don't really get that full perspective and that character building that I see you trying to instill in your, your children where it's like, no, we're going to, you know, we're going to walk. We're not going to take, we took the bus number one with your kids, you know, (laughs) which is hot. You know, it's just like super compact and crowded and take the bus. We get them off the bus and like, Oh, we decided to walk home. Well, how far is like five miles? Yeah. And you're what you're four. Like, so like, we're all going to walk together and you got to pull your weight. Oh, you got to carry that, your little book that you bought in the market too. You know? And that's great. I think that's a really cool way to give them that perspective. Yeah. And I, and I see what you're saying with, you know, how you have this, this enterprise that you're working hard to, to sustain and grow, but yet your, your goal and hope is to like bring it back down to a simplified um, lifestyle. But my question would be, would you want to go back to a, an income that you had like when you're working at like the pizza place in Irvine, you know, where you're making whatever nine bucks an hour with tips and you're trying to raise your, you know, your teenage girls on that kind of money. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. It's, you can, I have a lot of money around me, mm-hmm. but it's, uh, I don't use it for, so I think it'd be the same because like I have a nice car and I have a nice house mm-hmm. and I have Netflix and AC. Mm-hmm. So that's like plush living down here. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. And then like, I can do things like I can, I can entertain. I can take, you know, I can buy everybody at the table dinner, but it's because I have a restaurant. So it's semi discounted drinks the same way. So there is amount of prestige that goes along with having this accomplishment. 
But um, if I, I've been doing that a long time, so if I didn't have to do it anymore, it wouldn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Like I realized like, you know, um, at least you do what you can, how you can. And it's, it's like the, the monks in Thailand, there's a service. There's a service. And it's a, it, the, when you're meditating, it's a service, right? For the, for everybody to have like a, like a culture of meditation. So I think you and, and the other misfits and rejects, it's like, we're the, you know, we're the, we're the bodies of point break, you know, <laughs> yeah. that the rest of the world wants to be like, but can't take that, that, uh, that step mm-hmm. can't make that. Mm-hmm. And they'll have those regrets maybe, and maybe they're okay with that. You know, mm-hmm. like you're one of those, um, you know, you're okay with anything kinds of people. And if it's not, hence the reason you take responsibility, you'll change it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of the same way. So, and Chape and I are surrounded by a lot of people who will not take responsibility. And it's painful to watch them try to unfold, like, the dilemmas and issues of life. I mean, not to, not to cap on anyone, but we're all in our 30s, most of us and our friends. Mm-hmm. We got some late 20-year-old. We got some teenage girls that hang out with us. I'm joking. <laughs> no teenage <laughs> girls hang out with us. <laughs> but, like, mid to late 20-year-old girls. Like, and them in particular, just because it's, uh, this is a, this is new girls being here new, you know, so maybe it's just new to us, but, uh, people in general, it's like the way in which we go about, you know, our, our, our issues, like how we're, how we're going to sustain ourselves, you know, how we're going to move forward in these relationships. And, um, and it's, this is a great place because there, we have a lot of space, time, we have alcohol, you know, and things to kind of like abstract the mind. And then we're all coming together and, there's no, uh, there's no circles so much and stuff where and people don't judge you the same because this is the place where you have the least amount of that because we're all the misfits and rejects. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so as we're sitting there and trying to, f- trying to figure this out together is, is when you, when you ultimately learn most about yourself, because all we're doing when we're talking is kind of convincing ourselves of our ideals. Right. So, um, yeah, let it be. Yeah. I think that, um, this these types of lifestyles and these types of environments really expose you for who you are. Um, we all have this, I think, grandiose ideal of ourselves as being like altruistic or idealistic and like, oh, I'd step in and, you know, if a woman was being disrespected, I would step in and do something about it, you know. And in these environments, you do see that. Not necessarily that we have friends doing that, but like in certain cultures, you will watch a female get slapped by her husband. And what are you going to do? Are you going to go over to an Indian man? Because we saw this in India. Actually, John and I were in India and we watched a woman get beat on the side of the street. And like, it's middle of the day, her whole community is around her, but no one's stepping in and doing anything. Like, am I supposed to step in? Because I grew up feeling like being told that this is not right behavior. And if so, then am I willing to take responsibility for the consequences of me stepping in? Because I had a situation once in Indonesia where uh, it was a real unfortunate thing where um, a white woman had dinged an uh, Indonesian surfboard and he came to collect an exorbitant amount of money for the ding. An amount of money that was completely unrealistic for the damage that she had done to his surfboard. And he brought a bunch of guys with him who had machetes. And I happened to be the only male there sitting with her at the breakfast table and he came up and he stood her up and he slapped her 
said, you're going to give me this money right now. And ooh, like to see that happen and, and get up in the middle of it and not let that continue, but then not take it to that next level where I always saw myself like flying over the table. I was going to knock that motherfucker out and like teach him a lesson, teach him, you can't treat a woman like that. But I reacted in a way that I analyzed the situation like this isn't going to be a good outcome for me if I take it to that level. I will be violently cut down, literally, with yeah. the machetes if I choose to take that action. And, and we so, just met that woman. And we had just met that woman, yeah. So the after the psychological after effect of that was very interesting for me to process that because it, it, it fucked with my head. You know, like I'm sitting there questioning, like, did I do it right? Should I have done this or that? You know, like, am I the man I always thought I was? And like the answers were like, well, no, but you just learned the man that you are. Like you didn't just like let it continue on. You got in the middle of it, but at the same time, you didn't take it and escalate it to that violent level that you always saw that hero, you know, coming over the table and, and saving the day. And like when, and these environments, like I was saying earlier, you will get exposed. You're going to learn real quick what you're made of and what you're about in these types of environments. Yeah. And you know, you, you start to realize like you're not who you thought. And some people don't like to take responsibility for that. And you see the breakdowns Yeah. Going back to what you're saying earlier. You see people like trying to point fingers and blame others and like, well, you know, he's not doing his, he's not pulling his weight. Yeah. Like, no, I, wait a second. Like, think about that, you know? Yeah, but it goes back to trying. Yeah. You don't try, and that's why people don't try, because they'll be a failure. Right. Like, I've always been a pretty good loser. Right. Like, when I lose at something, I'm kind of okay with that. Mm-hmm. So I've gotten better at it. <laughs> <laughs> I hated losing for a long time. Yeah. For me, losing was worse, felt worse than winning felt good. So I was always, everything I did was just trying not to lose, trying not to lose. And that's not a, a good way to live either, I found. Because it's a constant state of fear, fear of losing. You know, and, and a byproduct of that is then not trying. Yeah. If you're constantly afraid, afraid of losing, then yeah, you just stop, you just stop trying. Cause why would I want to lose? That's going to feel like shit. Gotcha. That makes sense. But yeah, yeah man. Do you have uh, any other thoughts or feelings you want to bring up in this episode? Because 37 minutes, a good episode. We can, we can do this again. Yeah. Captain John Robert Eames <laughs> on yeah. site, Higante Bay. Hosting Misfits and Rejects. Yeah. You guys can come down and see it, folks. I mean, this place is magical, and there's a lot of uh, beautiful people here, beautiful things to do. John is always happy to take people on the sailboat and show them a good time. Yeah, we just went rock climbing. Yeah, you did. just went rock climbing on a beautiful rock face that, I don't know, I'm not a rock climber, but it's it's not exactly the best rock climbing. No, it isn't, but it's real rock climbing. My hands hurt, and it was, you know, I got... I got spotted. It was a real rock line. Yeah. Anitra rock line. Yeah, his daughter Anitra rock line. Yeah. And now That's who you heard earlier banging on the window, <laughs> notifying us that the horses were in the estuary. We have nine horses. One died recently, hung itself, fell into a ditch with a rope around his neck. That's the real stuff. <laughs> the reality of Nicaragua. Yeah. Gigante Bay. This morning, the, the dog got a pig, ripping its ear off. Yeah, we chased the pig in the estuary <laughs> as he's got a pig's ear in his mouth. Poor pig, thing. Pig scream. Yeah. They scream like people. Yeah. If you haven't heard a pig <laughs> scream, it sounds like a human being. It's yeah. pretty, pretty gnarly. Thanks for bringing me on, Shape. I appreciated having kind of like a, a chance to kind of reflect with some stuff with you. It's, I appreciate it. We've done it for so long and it's so so easy that i i like doing it and and to imagine other people sitting with us that we care about and stuff is just it's a it's a nice nice imagine a nice thing to think of absolutely thanks for coming on you did a great job appreciate it 
Cheers. I think all the listeners are going to like it as well. Much love, brother. Back at you. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.